Tanya, you ever have a lot to do and then you suddenly just find yourself doing something else? Oh, all the time. What, what's the kind of stuff you do when you should be doing something else? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that was a suggestive laugh. <laughs> I was feeling this is something, something, something somewhat spicy. No, I, I'm a tinkerer. I mm. tinker. You, you putz. You putz and tinker. Around. Yeah. You I'm ever go t- down a deep rabbit hole? What? Yeah. You ever get gold? While I'm tinkering? Well, so for some people, tinkering is looking up something on the internet and looking into all the lore, all the details, finding out all the history. Oh, yeah. I, I recently was, I have uh, all this work to do. And oh, I've done that. Suddenly found myself going down the rabbit hole of this guy, uh, Darnaby Grudge Bundy from the Try It Liquid Diet. What? Darnaby Grudge Bundy created the Try It Liquid Diet in the 1960s. He was like, try it. It's my liquid diet. Lose a lot of pounds. Gain a lot of ground. And he was found... Gain a lot of round? No. Lose a lot of pounds. Gain a lot of ground. But then he was found adorned in floral undergarments, masturbating in a hedge. And that was... You're the, making this shit up. Darnaby Grudge Bundy. Google him. Google. I'm, I, my phone's not anywhere near the me. The Try It Liquid Diet. Doesn't. No. Yeah. No. And he once did a skit with several uh, unnamed Muppets before these Muppets. You can look this up. Before Cookie Monster was Cookie Monster. I don't Monster. believe you. You're joshing me again. Before Cookie Monster was Cookie Monster. <laughs> Getting real mad about Cookie Monster. He was known as, I believe, the, the wheel thief. He ate wheel-shaped corn snacks with sharp fangs. What? Yeah. He was in black and white eating sharp. He had sharp fangs and eating round, not sharp, wheel-shaped corn snacks. And this was all then tied in. And then Darnaby Grunge Bundy was like, we need to get these Muppets in for my snack commercials. But my snack is the Try It Liquid Diet. I... If he hadn't been masturbating in the hedge, adorned in floral undergarments, we would still be talking about him today. Everyone would be talking about Darnaby Grudge Bundy. I feel like my week has been too long for this. I can't decipher the (laughs) truth from your lies in this moment. Lies is a strong, strong word. This is a tall tale. I don't believe you. It sounds compelling. You've got a lot of facts that you've put in there, but it's almost like, is he over-describing? You're trying to detect it. You're trying to figure out the facts based on... The try-it liquid diet? Come on, Jonathan. Delicious wheel-shaped snacks eaten by Cookie Monster with fangs. Look it up. You be the judge, listener. You be the judge. Oh. Fact or fiction. Just like that show with uh, Jonathan Jonathan Frakes. Frakes. You ever ride a bicycle? (laughs) <laughs> Do you love hamsters? What's my name? I don't know. Just asking asking the big questions, Frakes. Have you ever been on a ladder in the desert under the moonshine? <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I just can't help it. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Talking to Women About Video Games. I'm Jonathan. I'm talking to Tanya. Hi, guys. Thanks for being here, Tanya. So many fun things discussed in this episode. I was wowed 
And I'll have to let you know now, listeners, that to truly enjoy the interviews on this episode of this show, you do need to check out our YouTube channel. Talking to Women About Video Games on YouTube, I'm pretty sure it's the only channel by that name. You should be able to find it, and I will put the links to the videos in the show notes, assuming that there's two, but there may only be one because it's a lot of work. Thank you to our editor, Daniel, whom all of you should give a dollar to on Patreon. And if you do, you may end up with a comic book. Our Patreon so far all got, I think I sent out a 40-something comics to people. Uh, those who choose the physical version get a comic drawn by me with a special code number on the back. Ooh. Sometimes it unlocks something to enjoy in digital entertainment. So, enough about that. These interviews are best watched, particularly the one with Blair Bears, because... She is a raccoon. I talked to a raccoon. Did I even get to tell you this, Tanya? No, we haven't been able to catch up as much as... I know. It's been a wild, wild week. New Zelda game came out. Yeah. New vampire game called Redfall. Everyone hated it. Talking about it all oh, the time. Geez. Oh, yeah. New Twitter CEO was announced today. So much stuff. Uh, but for me, the theme of the week has been wondering about if abstraction enhances or diminishes from immersion to video game design and comic book design general visual art design question yeah, it's a lot of ions in that <laughs> very very observant you're absolutely right so i'll just start off by asking you first tanya abstraction that's when instead of being realistic you sum it up with something simple something iconographic like cartoon of charlie brown's head as opposed to, like, a realistic boy's face. Which would you rather look at in a movie? Well, I guess it all depends on your taste. I'm asking you, Tanya. I like the real shit. You don't like the abstraction so much. Yeah. You've never really, truly enjoyed a cartoon other than Disney's Robin Hood and Sword in the Stone. I like those two a lot. I did enjoy, you know, the 80s cartoons when I was a kid. Oh, sure. For sure, for sure. And with the video games, you love the Katamari series. And we're going to review the Playdate later that has a new game. Very fun. Co-created by uh, Kieta Takahashi, who created the Katamari series. Very abstract. If those were realistic, would you like a Katamari game with realistic graphics? No. Really? So the abstract does work for you sometimes. Yes. Why would you not like the realistic graphics in Katamari? Because one of my favorite things about Katamari is when you suck up people and they scream. <laughs> and so if I were to see that be real, mm. that would be really sick and disgusting. Yeah, it would just be too close just to like, home, too it would, gross. It would be like bodies mashing and congealing and turning no bones like mm. into, you know, real graphic. That sure. would be just like, oh, why'd you have to put that thought in my head, John? <laughs> I apologize. I, I didn't know it was a, a new thought. I should have guessed uh, that you hadn't thought about this. I've... Given this a deep amount of thought, I always, when a new game comes out, I wonder, would this be better or worse with more realistic or less realistic graphics? Like, I think Resident Evil 4 would be markedly worse with less realistic graphics because you want to really feel the awfulness of someone who looks human but is not human. That's kind of the theme of that whole game. Whereas Katamari... If, as you're saying, if those graphics are realistic, even if it wasn't graphic and gross, I just wouldn't want to do those things to real people. Right. And I don't want to look at 
real people squirming around and it's just not what I want to see personally. I mean, if it was a different sort of game and you could walk around the Katamari world. Just a walking simulator? They call those walking simulators. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a whole genre. Oh. You just gotta walk around. Yeah, think about some of the scenery. It'd be kind of cool, but... I should recommend to you what... What's Eden Gilbert Grape? What became of Edith Finch? I can't remember the name of the game right now, but there's many walking simulators you may enjoy out there. Uh, something to talk about later. In the meantime, we're going to kick it over to a raccoon woman named Blair Bears. Yes. The Blair So I'm here with Blair Bears. Blair, can you say hello to the 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 watchers, the listeners? Hey, hi, hello, listeners. <laughs> you're a raccoon. <laughs> you're a raccoon woman. Are you're, you? You're, you're outside you? of a, it looks like a park. Taking no a little walk outside the forest today, you know. I do know. And and it's a special wow. So what a warm, what a warm smile. You're alive, and yet you give me the feeling of a magic Muppet that is only existing in the world of screens. Like I, I look at you and I think, could I see Blair Bears down the street? Quick story, when I first moved into the house I currently live in, I thought my cat got away. And this is not an outdoor cat, so I was hunting around for her. I turned around and there was a raccoon just attached to a tree. Just looking at me, like this far away from me. It's hello, welcome to the neighborhood. And in real life, it's pretty scary because they could mm-hmm. have rabbies. They could be mean raccoons. Though I don't know if you've seen sometimes pet raccoons, if you scratch them, they love it so much that they'll grab your hand and pull you. They will. Them. They actually purr as well. The mosquito raccoons are so cute. Was not aware of that. They purr oh, as you... well. Amazing. So <laughs> the pros and cons of real life raccoons. With you, a raccoon woman that may only exist in the virtual world, no cons. It's It feels like, oh, pros. But how is it for you to be a raccoon woman in the virtual world? How How is it to stream as this woman, this raccoon woman? Well, I very much enjoy it. I get to meet a lot of new people every time we go live. Um, everyone always comments on the avatar. Um, in fact, the same reaction you had when I first turned my camera on is pretty much the same as I get every time I talk to someone with it, <laughs> which is it's super, it makes my heart so heckin' happy. But yeah, uh, with, with me being in the virtual realm, you know, I have my rabies shots, I'm all up to date. Um, so I won't be putting any like rabies malware on your computers or anything like that. It'll be great. <laughs> it's so good. And this will be an audio form too. So I have to keep in mind that there's some people just listening. I'll describe Blair Bears to you real quick. A brown haired woman, large blue eyes, small nose, no raccoon nose, but a raccoon mask, tail swishing back and forth, (laughs) a heart charm, a black sweatshirt, hearts above the head, smiling. It's a new form of communication. People talk about NFTs and the metaverse and all sorts of ways to reinvent reality to make it more of what we want it to be in our hearts and minds instead of dealing with the reality that's handed to us. Metaverse just tanked. NFTs don't seem to be doing too well. VTubers doing just fine. VTubers are where it's at. What do you think the appeal is? Why is it that people 
are fascinated with and their disbelief is suspended by the VTuber. Like you feel quite real to me, even though I'm aware you are visually only a virtual being, I still feel like I'm getting to know you as a real virtual person. Why do you think that works? Well, I think it's the Jim Henson theory. You know, when you when you go meet like a Muppet, like from Sesame Street, you know, you meet Elmo. The way that the actors portray those Muppets, they feel real. If you've ever seen like Elmo get interviewed, they're looking at Elmo's eyes, not the actor below him. Mm. And I think one thing about VTubers is we work so hard into making our models so lifelike. Because, you know, we do have the disadvantage. We're not real. We, we're not turning on a webcam and bada bing, bada boom, we're good to go. There's very special things we have to do to animate ourselves and make ourselves a little bit more captivating. And I think a huge part of why VTubers are popular is we're just, we're new, we're exciting, we're different, you know? And mm. there's a lot of things that we can do. Um, for example, all like chat integrations that we can do. Um, on my own streams, I have little redemptions that people can change my outfit. And obviously you can't do that with a regular webcam or you might get banned off Twitch. Uh <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, with real life, there are certain rules that apply both to what you can do and what you should do. When it comes to VTubers, it's a little different. And I wonder and I worry, frankly, that people will treat you like a fictional character in ways that maybe aren't always so good. Have you ever dealt with somebody mixing up the fact that you're technically, as you said, a puppeteer. When people dress as mascots for sports teams, sometimes people just punch the mascot in the face because <laughs> they're like, oh, I hate your team. And it's like, there's a real human in there. They forget. Mm -hmm. So do you ever have experiences where you think people might be forgetting that there is a real person behind this uh, virtual puppet, so to speak. I, I do actually. So my mom, my model is actually based off a actual photo of myself. So she looks eerily similar to how I look in real life, um, which makes some of the comments that I'll receive on, you know, like YouTube videos or during Twitch streams a little, little weird, um, mm. you know, comments about, you know, how endowed she is or how, you know, sexy she is and things like that and especially being a charity streamer for children it can be a little bit of a time <laughs> to hear things like that on my on my content um and i think that is one thing a lot of vtubers will run into with you know how well their models look is they'll say things about it and it could either affect the puppeteer like for me it just kind of makes me feel weird but it could also make the puppeteer feel maybe self-conscious of how they actually look you mm. know say for example if they were a face cam streamer before vtuber and they gain popularity being a vtuber and they get so many compliments whereas you know maybe when they when they were face cam they didn't get as many that can really hurt their self-esteem and that that is one thing that i i've heard from other friends that are vtubers and i try my best to like reassure both like you know your stream setup is good, but you as a human being are super beautiful. Like, just try and give that, like, reassurance to them, too. Oh, my goodness. I had not even considered that. Just imagine if Jim Henson wondered, am I beautiful? <laughs> People love this Kermit guy, the frog. He's on T-shirts. Me? Mm -hmm. Nothing. But right? it is different than that style of puppeteering where there was that massive distance between who Jim Henson was and Kermit was physically you are a caricature of yourself so mm -hmm. it is closer to the real you despite the fact that it's all virtual 
than most puppets are. I think some right. people do make puppets of themselves. Mm-hmm. I guess I could make a puppet of myself. Or bald. <gasps> Honestly, if man. you ever interview me again, I really hope it's with the puppet version of you, just so I can <laughs> feel more at home. You know, we can both have that disconnect, you know? Yeah, that connection through distance, because mm-hmm. I'm guessing that you chose being a VTuber in some ways because there is a freedom to really be yourself when there is some abstraction Mm -hmm. to how you're expressing yourself. I'm hoping it's less self-conscious at times to be expressing yourself in this uh, metaphor for yourself, a visual metaphor for yourself, than having to show up with your own physical bones and skin and stuff like that. (laughs) That's sort of a, seems old fashioned. But uh, yeah, why did you choose? to move towards VTubing? Um, so there was a variety of reasons. Um, the biggest one I did mention to you in DMs, I'm not sure if you wanna talk about it on your podcast, but was the swatting that occurred during my live stream. Oh, that's right. I I had forgotten that you weren't VTubing then and I should have figured it out. No, you're okay. <laughs> they can't swat you if they can't see mm-hmm. who you are and where you are for all, they would swat the, the park with the no hands. Exactly. There, there's a huge sense of anonymity um, with mm. VTubering, you know, and I'll be real, like I have felt more confident as a VTuber than I ever did as a face cam streamer. Mm. I feel like my, my like, you know, I'm not looking at myself in the camera 24-7, like, is my hair okay? Did I do my makeup well enough? Like, did I wear the right outfit for stream? Is my camera angle good? I am literally streaming in my jam jams and I'm making very silly faces and being being very animated and it allows me to be like just so much more confident in the content that I'm producing and the entertainment value that I have. Um, so that is like super benefit of being a VTuber versus face cam streamer. Mm. Um, but above anything else, I just, I love to be creative and think of new ways to engage with my chat, my viewers. Um, Cause you know, as a charity streamer without my community, uh, everything I accomplish wouldn't happen. So I love to add little things to have them feel included in my community because they're it, you know? Mm. So having the little redemptions, the dono incentives of like changing my model, uh, changing her outfit, adding silly hats and making her faces go all crazy. Things like that are super important to me and I love setting them up. Yeah. We didn't talk yet about being a charity streamer for children. Mm -hmm. I don't know enough about how that genre of streaming even happened. I started streaming on Justin TV in 2010. So it was a very different world then. And I Mm -hmm. fell off because one of the things I do, not to talk too much about myself, is I'll get on the ground floor of a new thing. Like I was on a reality TV show before Survivor was popular, before The Bachelor, back when it was like, some people liked them. And then I stopped doing them right when they got big. Same with streaming. I was right there for the start of Twitch when it was called Justin TV. Mm-hmm. Then it turned to Twitch. I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to writing magazines, is what I did. I, I write for a couple of print magazines now. But you do. a lot of people enjoy them. Some people do. Thank you. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And it's it's for a curated audience. You have tried to curate an audience, which is something I'm very curious about how you learned to do that. And I'm also curious about what drove you to begin streaming in the first place, and also particularly for children, which is tough to curate that audience, Mm -hmm. and also for charity, which is usually 
not a way people can live. It, it, it's 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 wonderful that you did it, but there's millionaire streamers out there. It's hard to become one as a charity streamer. So mm-hmm. a lot there, and and pick up wherever you'd like in, in that cornucopia of questions. You no, know, you, I love all those questions. All of them are near and dear to my heart. So starting from the beginning, I have been charity streaming for about ten years now in total, but only like really streaming like every week for about three years. Mm. Uh, my very first charity stream was back in 2012, right when Twitch was brand new. And I stream for a charity organization called Extra Life. And mm. they are a charity representation of Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Um, my reason for streaming for this charity has really grown over the years, but it started because my nephew was prematurely born. And the hospital that I was playing for was the same one that saved his life. Um, Mm. So like without them, he wouldn't have been there today. And I was just thinking back to like how, you know, this hospital, if you're not aware, the CMNH hospitals, um, they're completely like uh, charity funded. Um, There's no financial costs for any of the families. Uh, They rely solely on donations. So when I read more about it, I learned more about what, you know, what they were. I was like, oh, my God, we need to help them. So I've kind of just dedicated um, my time and effort to raising money for them. Um, In terms of like why I do it now and why I do it so aggressively is back in 2019, I had the honor of attending something called Extra Life United, which is a big uh, charity tournament event down in Florida. Um, And I actually ended up, I did win $3,000 for a hospital um, playing Tetris of all things. But um, more importantly, when I was down there, I got to meet face to face with the kiddos, like the ones that were directly affected by the hospital. And Jonathan, I was sobbing. I, I'm known in my community as the gooby, the, the little goober player bears because I cry every time I get a donation because I just think about those kids, right? And I think about what they are going through right at the start of their lives. And it hurts my heart so much. Like you know, kiddos fighting cancer, kiddos fighting life-threatening diseases, right? At the start of something that should be an amazing experience for them. And the hospital staff are dedicating their time, their energy, and everything they got to saving and bettering their lives. Um, And if I can help in any way, just by being a little gamer, you know, I figured, why not? So, after I was able to talk to all the kiddos, I really, I started making like a Discord server. I started like promoting on Twitch more, making an actual schedule for myself. And how I got my community is still a little bit of a question for me because I I thank them every day for being there. Um, If I had to guess, I think people are just kind of drawn into my mama slash big sister raccoon energy. you know, I, I use the internet as a way to escape the negativity and the like, you know, stressfulness of everyday life. And mm. while I'm on there, you know, obviously with the internet, you get the good and bad. You also get a lot of negative media and stuff. So I just, I will aggressively post all the positivity, all the optimism. I will like reassure everyone, like it's going to be okay no matter what. And, you know, the more you do that, the more you get your name out there and people just kind of flock to you. And I think with my community, it was like personality first and then, oh, she's also a streamer. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Well, I sort of know what that means. You are a streamer second personality first. I think of streamers as pure personality, but I don't know if streamers often 
tout their ability to play a game well as the main thing that draws people in. You also described yourself earlier a few times, I think, as a wholesome streamer and a cozy streamer. I don't I don't know if those are I don't know if like there's a place I can go on the Internet. Like I used to go to Blockbuster Video and look through thrillers versus mm -hmm. horror versus chillers. You know, they used to subdivide genres of movies based on arbitrary ideas that felt right. But you can't actually look up the difference between a thriller and a chiller in mm -hmm. movies. Is there a place to go where I could just sort through all the cozy and or wholesome streamers and pick one to stream? Where do these genres come from? Did you did you invent it yourself, or were there other cozy slash wholesome streamers that you saw first and were like, "I'm going to cozy wholesome just like they did"? Or is it is it evolving? Could you turn and you? All, I think you also called yourself a variety streamer. Yes, as opposed to someone who only is a mono game streamer, just all Fortnite all the time. Oh my god, yeah, I could not do that absolutely. <laughs> but I guess, and I've heard that. When you choose the cozy slash wholesome slash charity slash variety streamer path, you sort of are walking towards the poverty or, or at least less of the money because the rich ones, I guess, just play nothing but one game. This is what mm -hmm. I'm told. But as you know, nobody was making any money off this stuff when I was doing it in, mm -hmm. in 2010. I actually, one of my first streams was for charity for the composer of Super Meat Boy's family who had a severe illness and we were raising money for them. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. That's just that's very kind of you to do. It's a fraction of what you do, but thank you uh, for saying so. I feel the same way about you. It was a 24-hour-ish stream of Super Meat Boy. We played all night and we raised thousands of dollars and the oh, developer yeah. like gave us some secret news and stuff like that. It sort of bonded me with uh the creator of that game ever since he still reaches out to me to give me like inside scoops because he thinks i'm a good person and it goes a you long way are. oh my god i love I'm that mediocre at best but thank you you are like an official good person <laughs> constantly you. streaming once once a week for charity so i'm wondering about whether you felt like you were choosing a road that was never going to make you the next ninja or mr beast or any of these people and if that was a choice that was at all difficult to make and i'm also wondering if i'm completely wrong about that because as i was just saying nobody knew that any streamers were going to get big mm -hmm. ever a decade ago now because streamers did it because they loved it they mm -hmm. found an audience and you're doing it because you love it so do you think there is the potential for you to become you know, the next blippy or something. It's, I oh, guess it's possible, man. right? It's it's wild because my community lately has been talking about like, oh, we should do like a big Blair Bears convention. We should do a big meetup. Like Blair Bears is going to be on a meet and greet panel. And I'm over here like, oh, <laughs> like <laughs> I, you know, when we started building a crowd, when we started getting more than just like three like viewers on Twitch, right? I I was like, oh my God, where are they coming from? What what do I do? Um, you know, I don't I don't do any of what I do for personal gain. If I never become the next ninja, I am a-okay with that because I know when I see that charity total going up and I see how much we do every year for the kids, that is my reward. That is what I am in it for. 
you know, I'm not in it for everyone to know my name. I'd rather them know about the charity that I play for versus knowing who Blair Bears is. Mm. Um, I'd rather, you know, talk about the kiddos than talk about myself. Um, my one good friend asked me, like, you know, what would you do if you ever became famous? And I was like, I'd probably scream. <laughs> Like, it'd be great, right? Like, it'd be awesome if a lot of people knew who I was and maybe I inspire others to, you know, live a positive life and spread kindness and maybe even actually stream themselves. But if that never happens, I am still a-okay with that because at the end of the day, I am still getting extra life out there. I am still helping kiddos live longer, happier, healthy lives. And that is why I do what I do. <laughs> Amazing. I hope I can introduce you to the creator of Tetris someday. I met him only once. He smelled of like, <laughs> I don't know why. When I remember him, the first thing I think about is his aroma, his his odor. He smelled <laughs> like like aged leather, but somewhat spicy. I love that spicy that leather. Is- tickling a thing in my brain i need to, i need to experience this for myself wonderful guy warm huggy before covid so he could be huggy uh just saying like i can't believe it and now i'm making money off tetris i was just a computer geek in a lab uh, making blocks move around on a virtual screen never saw this coming now i'm in mm-hmm. los angeles talking about remembering which iteration of Tetris he was talking about then. There's so many. This was back in like the Wii era. So it was a little while ago. I think it was the iteration of Tetris that you could control with your body on the Wii balance board, which is pretty bananas. Uh, But if I ever meet him, I'm going to (laughs) say, please, Jonathan, I would die if I ever got to hug Alexi. You kidding me? Like (laughs) It would be a real wonderful, real wonderful moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can hope so. Blair Bears, anything else you want to share with us before we, wrap up our our talk. I just super want to say thank you to you, first of all, for being an amazing human being. Um, I know you may disagree, but I just want you to know a lot of folks do follow your content and your supportive nature uh, towards so many communities is so appreciated, um, especially during some dark times we had within the past few years. Um, So you as a human being are super and beautiful just like Jim Henson was, you know, Kermit's fine. Jim <laughs> Henson was a beautiful one. And thank you for this honor of being on the Women Talking About Video Games podcast. Blair Bears, anytime. You're welcome anytime. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's like great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so wonderful talking to Blair Bears. She really caught me off balance because she was so complimentary. And when someone who's doing things that are so much better than what you do what? <laughs> likes what you do. Yeah, she just streams for charity Jonathan, every this week. this isn't a contest. It is. You think about what people are doing. Don't tell me you don't do it too, Tanya. You, you, you meet someone and you're like, oh, so I do this for a job. And they're like, I save children every day from death. I hug them and I love them. And I'm doing things for other people and I get nothing in return. You don't think to yourself immediately, well, uh, good for you. <laughs> you think that's pretty great. I wish I did I think something that great. You don't do it for nothing. You do it for pats on the back and for the likes. <laughs> 
but play you selfish, selfish person. <laughs> Is that what you think? No, not at all. I think I wish I was more like you. Exactly. I wish I was more like Blair Bears, too. She is wonderful, and I'm excited to help promote her amazing work. And I'm also vaguely interested in promoting the work of Jack Black. What? Did you see that coming? Something about Jack Black. I just want to keep him going. I want to charge him up like a Energizer bunny. I want to wind up the crank on his back. Because I'm thinking about Crankin's time travel and adventure. That's part of it, too. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that later. We're going to review the playdate later. And I, I think I made a Crank Yankers reference Did you make a Crank Yankers off mic? You were talking about Crank Yankers. Because I was telling you about Syphil and Ollie. That's a whole other story. Jack Black has a new music video out, which I was sort of shocked by. He's riding high off doing the voice of Bowser in the Mario movie, which made a billion dollars. Do you want to do a product review? I do, I do, I want to do a product review. I do, 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 I do. It's an okay movie. I saw it. It's fine. It's a two out of four stars for sure. Oh, wow. Just definitely, it's, you know. You, a tap water movie for you? You go out to eat and you're like, what do they got on the menu? They're like, the burger's good. You order the burger and you're like, that's fine. I could have done something better on the grill probably myself, but it's not like burnt. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to complain. It's fine. I won't. But this is like a huge movie that's made a billion dollars and it's just fine you please everybody a little bit that's how you make all the money when there's no competition there's no other movies like this there's Mm. no other i mean if this was going head to head against the sonic the hedgehog movie or something then they might have had some competition but there's there's no other bringing your childhood back to life parents bring their kids to the movie theater and all enjoy the magic together movies right now so Yeah, Jack Black. Jack Black, new music video. I saw it. Video games. I was shocked the real Jack Black does not appear in this video once. Neither does Kyle Gass, I believe his name is. It's all animation. It's all animation. Video game style. And you know, he started in a video game once called, oof, uh, Brutal Legend, I believe it was called. Hmm. Tim Schafer, who worked on the Maniac Mansion games, or at least the later Maniac Mansion game, Day of the Tentacle, worked on that with Jack Black. And our next guest, Cy Mistage, is going to talk to me all about point-and-click games of the LucasArts variety, including Maniac Mansion and Sack McCracken. But what did you think? Would it have been better if this new Jack Black video, Tenacious D video, which is riding high off the popularity of the Mario movie, I'm guessing, because people loved his song Peaches in that movie, he's back with his metal band swearing up a storm. Mm-hmm. Talking about God of War and Red Dead Redemption 2, and at one point in the video he turns, I think, into Sonic the Hedgehog and Mario. Yep. Would it have been better if it was just those two guys, or did the cartoon video game version of those guys... Do you think that's the way to go now, to abstract Jack Black and no longer see the real Black? Well, for me, I like to see the Jack Black. Yeah. But I think for the audience that he might be going for now, that he has voiced Bowser in the yep. new Mario movie. It's probably the thing that people have heard him do the most in the world now. Like, bigger wow. than anything else he's ever done out of his... His first job, as far as I know, in the entertainment industry was a commercial for Pitfall. When he was just he a was kid. He was just a little guy. Yeah, just a little guy. So video games have been a big part of his career for a long time. But 
Yeah, this is the first time. He might be going this route. Maybe his trajectory is going to be more voice acting, mm-hmm. movie soundtracks, things like that. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I hate to say it, but it is hard to be a guy in your 50s with a big beard and a big body and find a mainstream audience. You can find the comedy audience, but you're going to be the butt of the jokes. If you want to actually be the one who is out there being confident and happy, which is sort of his deal, it's hard to do that with that look. People don't want a gregarious 50-year-old big belly fellow with a beard dancing around. Sad. Well, yeah, it's true. I also thought the song was, you know, it was 90 seconds. (laughs) And it was just all right, but the animation was pretty darn good. And I liked how one of the biggest parts of the music video was actually the credits Mm. on the animation stuff. I felt like it was like sort of half of the highlights of it was just saying, hey, look at the art that happened in this video. Mm. Yeah, to support and lift up others after you're already pretty big Yeah, is a a nice thing to do with your career and a way to keep your career going. I sort of felt like it was like, hey, look at the people that worked on this video, hire them. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I felt like it seemed like. Maybe that's what it was. We'll have to wait and see. We'll find out. Uh, next up, we've got Simon Stage, who works for Phoenix Online. She's a publisher of video games. She barely talked about that. She just wanted to talk about Zach McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders. Whoa. And I was pleased to do it. Let's kick it over to Sai. Simon Stage, you are clicking on different verbs and nouns. You're making sentence structures from the video game. I'm here with Sai Mustache from Phoenix Online Publishing. <laughs> she is incredible. She's got her own name behind her near a fan, and she's got all this cool stuff back there. Where did you find a sign that said your name like that? Was that hard to find? No, I just bought the letters. I bought the individual oh! letters and I just put them together. <laughs> <laughs> That's they're fun. supposed to they're supposed to have batteries, but they don't right now. <laughs> oh! It's just in the background right now. <laughs> it looks very cool to me. It, it's <laughs> like a little name tag over your head, but it's yeah, there real you go. in case you forget. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's physical and it's real. And you, though you work for Phoenix Online, which does a lot of digital publishing, you have a real passion for the days when. Games came in physical packages and came with like amazing stuff. You have been doing beautiful drawings of the, it's absolutely true, of the LucasArts classics. You've been doing these drawings of Zach McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders, different little memorabilia pieces from it that evoke so much emotion. Oh, yeah. They, 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 yeah. they strike such a chord. And those games came with a lot of physical stuff. Did you ever, I don't know, I, I don't want to guess your age. It's very rude, but I can't help but guess <laughs> I am older than you. I feel older than you. Were you old enough to play these games when they first came out in physical boxes? Yes. Really? I'm that old. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're both in it together then. We're both... Uh, young at heart and I and think physically. the very first one that I got to play the first point and click that I ever got to play was Manic Mansion. Remember oh. back in late late eighties, I got to play Manic Mansion, and then eventually I got to play Sack McCracken, and this when I fell in love with LucasArts. I was like, okay, so this is interesting. It. Love, yes. So absolutely. I want to hear about that. Maniac Mansion came with a fake 
map, like a fake uh, cork it board. It was a beautiful box. It had like the so cords. Uh, it had like like code books and stuff like that, and the box yeah. with the. It was really cool. I had all those things. I had. <laughs> you still. Uh, I don't know what to talk about. Them. I know yeah. it hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. The problem is that to... you know I used to travel so much. Eventually, I had the brilliant idea to take all of this. You know, I was moving across the country again, and then all my boxes got destroyed. So. Oh no! Oh, that's so painful. That's so. Painful. I lost. I lost my Sack McCracken one. I lost my Mind Expansion one. I I had uh, Indiana Jones and Fate of Atlantis as well. Uh-huh. I had Monkey Island all gone oh and nowadays so it is so expensive yeah it's absolutely true i don't true. even want to look at it <laughs> i want to but like well if you're ever up in the boston area for pax east you can stop by my home i keep my and just look at them yeah, just, <laughs> just i'll let just, you just look at them take a photo <laughs> i don't have the maniac mansion one anymore which came as you said with a guidebook that because they didn't want you to spoil it it came with a red piece of film that you had to put over the book in order to have the text open the door and stuff yeah yeah that's right it was really really cool and maniac mansion i still have came with a i'm sorry with zach mccracken i still have came with a fake newspaper yes that it was uh took sucked you into this world so much so what is it about these games that sucked you in and i'm very interested to hear how maniac mansion you liked but then Zach McCracken, it sounds like later you really loved. What was it about these games in general that sucked you in? Well, and particularly, you, you, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you remember when we got started with adventure games way back then, early 80s. It was, we're talking about text parser games. Mm. It was a completely different kind of experience that you had to, you know, type down, look at, walk to, pick up and stuff like that. Eventually, Maniac Mansion comes along, which has this, you know, I think it had a lot of burps at first. It was like. 14 or something like that or 15 he had a lot of them way back then and he had all the items there for you to just click point in in you know start it was a lot easier so mm. at first it was just interesting because the dynamic had changed in the adventure games so that was something that drew me in mm-hmm. i mean i used to play all of these games uh with my brother while i was growing up yeah he just passed away a few years ago so this is why these games nowadays have this you know extra special meaning for me oh, because wow. kind of Brings me back to better memories, better days, you know, when, mm. when things were better way back then, he was alive and all that. So all these games have this, you know, deep, meaningful uh, sentiment for me. And way back then, I used to play all these games with him. And it was kind of fun because I had no idea. I remember that he started playing and I was just like, I walked in and I was like, okay, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You know, <laughs> I know your little sister. I was like, what are you doing? And eventually I saw him playing so many times that I wanted to play myself. And this is exactly how I got started. And I loved it. Mm. I used to take months. Okay. It was weeks at a time trying to figure out things at rooms and trying to, you know, what is the entire room? I don't know what I'm doing. It's like, just want to know what is in there and just like try to figure out how it works and stuff. At first, when the commission was really hard for me, you know, I was a kid Mm. and trying to figure things out at the time, it was a little bit complicated, but eventually with Sacra Kraken, I was a little bit, you know, my teens Mm. and it was much more interesting because, you know, I already knew the mechanic of the point and clicks and stuff. And you also got to travel, you get to travel the world. And that to me was something that I absolutely loved way back then, because it was exactly the same mechanic. I mean, when you're talking about having different characters that Mm -hmm. you can call in that you can switch in order to do different puzzles and stuff. And you also get to do outside of the house, 
you have different places that you can actually go to in different orders and you know trying to figure out what's going on hmm so interesting for folks who don't know how would you describe zach mccracken what what's your take on the story what is it about well as it is pitched it's supposed to be you trying to prevent the world to fall into stupidity you know you're saving people from you know becoming stupid or something like the sort because that's what the aliens want to do Mm. but to me zach mccracken was about exploring everything i mean it was such a brilliant thing at the time that you Mm. had so much to do so many places that you can go to and it was fascinating because you know at the time we had dead ends lucas art way back then still was you know they were growing in terms of like learning how to do design and whatnot Mm. maniac mansion and zach mccracken do have dead ends so oh where if you die it's the end of the game and you can if you saved beforehand you can go back but if not if, that's that's big that. if, that's when you start when you learned that you had to save all the time because for example one thing that used to happen a lot in many conventions is that i will die like sometimes i would just get like i will do that yeah yeah you just straight up die or, i'm trying to remember the ways you die blow up the house um blow up the house i i, I the think hamster Oh yeah, you can't forget that one. Ted you will kill you. The hamster, yes, he he kills you. It's it's Doctor Ed Edison. It's been a little while since I've gone over the names. Weird Edna. Ed. Weird Ed. Ed. Is, the, is the one it's not with the one with the hamster? Yeah, he loves the army, and he will kill you if you blow up his hamster in the microwave. And that character, you have three characters in Maniac Mansion. That's if correct. I remember correctly, you get to choose them. Right, which is pretty cool. Except Dave, are you stuck with Dave? Yes, you are. So boring that day. Because Dave is the boyfriend. Yeah. Sandy's boyfriend. So you Sandy's boyfriend. He's the one that puts the party together, basically. He's not really skilled at much. No, he's the everyman. (laughs) Bernard is the one that is the pretty cool guy because he does absolutely everything. Like every single time I play, I have to choose Bernard. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) And he's the one who starred in the sequel, Day of the Tentacle which says a lot about uh, Bernard. So Zach McCracken didn't kill you as much. It certainly wasn't as threatening, but it had more of a, as you said, global feel, And but it still had a surreal horror feel. That's the thing that to me is most interesting about horror. How, That's a yeah. word that I don't often uh, hear with Zach McCracken. I know, because it's so funny, <laughs> but the story is aliens have secretly invaded the earth. They've been here for a while. They're using the phone system to make us all stupider. And there is no one really to turn to other than a tabloid reporter and a woman who Well, runs... remember, it was Annie, the one that they both had the dream. They both mm. had this very weird dream and it just like had parcels of it. They really did, did not know what was going on until they met and they started mm. talking about it. Mm. And that's when they start, you know, investigating and figuring out what, what's going on. But it, it started that way that they had a dream. That was the intro of the game, actually. Yeah. If I remember correctly, he dreams of Mars and a giant... Groucho Marx that is so glasses. cool. You even get to go to Mars. How cool <laughs> is that? Like, I love that. I remember at first, I was like, oh my God, what is this? Because you actually get to see in the news, at the very beginning of the game, you get to see in the news that they're, uh, yes, and then we have Melissa. And I remember the other name of the, the girl, the other girl's name, Melissa and, and whatever. And they're here in Mars. Yeah, we're here. That's right. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we're here. 
Didn't they make a so bus cool. that went to Mars? Am I remembering so that cool. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the boss recently. I love that one. <laughs> yeah, it really sparks a feeling, doesn't it? And they don't, I know this is so cliche, but I don't see games like this happening anymore. And I, I think that's in part because this was a time when no one knew what would sell. So this was the first time I'd ever traveled the globe, as you're saying, in a game. Yeah. Now, if they're going to do a globe globetrotting game, it has to be like Uncharted or something. But at the time, this was the way to do it because it was the only time it had been done. I mean, you go to Peru in it, if I remember correctly. You go to Cairo, you go to Miami, you go to Seattle. You're yeah. starting San Francisco, but you go to so many places. You even go to Kathmandu. I don't know what the That's hell Kathmandu right. is. It's somewhere <laughs> in the world. <laughs> I knew that existed from the game. I was like, you go to so many places and there are the places that I couldn't even pronounce yeah it's true and i was and you go on a plane and it don't you don't just go on the plane and it says and then you flew to the destination you have to do stuff on the plane and you get to do stuff on the plane you're not allowed to do in real life you you get that is the hardest puzzle to me by the way the first time around the yeah because if i remember because i just played sackma kraken recently (laughs) if i remember correctly you have to go to seattle because this is your first that's like the assignment you have beginning of the show, like your boss the tells you, there's squirrel. a squirrel. Yeah. yeah. There's a two-headed squirrel. Go check it out. And you're like, well, this job sucks. And, but he goes anyway. And it's funny because in that flight, you have the puzzle to get the oxygen tank mm-hmm. and the peanuts. Mm-hmm. And, and the flotation device. Me. I think so. I think the flotation and, device, yeah. Yeah, because it's the couch, isn't it? And you have all these different things that you have to get, but it's timed. It's a timed puzzle. And I think you have up to three times to be able to do it. So if you don't do it on time, you're going to have to restart the game because you're I not didn't know to. that. I uh, used to get so stuck in that one because I was slow. I was a kid. <laughs> I was so slow. And I was just like, oh, like, what do I have to do again? Oh, yeah, I have to go to the bathroom. And then it's like, click. Click. That was slow. And yeah, sometimes the trip ended and I was like, oh crap, I have to take it again. And I will take it. And it was like, click. <laughs> so the difficulty added attention. That, that one to me was one of the hardest puzzles because it was it was timed and there was a limited time that you could try it. Mm. Otherwise, you could not. It would just give you like a fade to black screen. It would be like, you had a pleasant flight and, and you just continue to where you went. Yeah, it was frustrating yeah. when I was a kid, actually. Absolutely. Very but, frustrating. Um, but when you were a kid, you had that perseverance. You had that. Oh, yeah. I had dist- the time, too. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, th- I have as an adult, but yes. <laughs> an adult working in games and a fair amount of games in this genre, if I. Isn't if that I'm ironic? Sure. <laughs> it's not ironic you're working in video games and you don't have time to play video games yeah it's at times it it's really so is. painful did you work uh on the publishing of thimbleweed park no i did not that's with uh, uh terrible toy box that's a different oh story. that's right that's right. lovely people i love them but yeah you worked with jane jensen on yeah, Gabriel Jane Jensen had a Pinkerton Studios. If you That's right. Back then, with the Kickstarter and everything, uh, she was making a Kickstarter for Mobius in GameX, which was Gabriel Knight. Eventually, it's just that she had like a year or so, give or take, with talks with Activision and stuff, trying to get the license. And that was the hardest part of oh, Gabriel geez. Knight, like that whole legal part, because they were a little bit like grinchy with that. But mm. eventually, she got it done. She's 
tenacious. She's a badass. She yeah. eventually got everything through and, you know, got the licensing and got everything done. And, and eventually we got a loan to do the game. But uh, we did that as a publishing house with Phoenix. But the development was Pinkerton Studios. Now. Oh, interesting. And yeah. that was sort of a rebirth of this genre, though not quite the same. Thimbleweed Park, of course, the new Monkey Island. <gasps> the new Monkey Island. I love Return to Monkey Island. Yeah. Fine girl. <laughs> do you see something like that happening for zach mccracken the way gabriel knight monkey island have come back i wish i really wish i've, I've mentioned it to to david fox before it's like would you want to it's like of course i would love to but you know mm. the problem is usually the legal side of things you know having the ip holder which i think it's uh it's still disney, it's disney it's disney yeah because yeah. they they bought the everything it's Disney, so you have to basically have a lot of patience and a lot of money and a lot of time because all those negotiations take a lot of time. So I yeah. don't even know if that's in the cards for the future. So I would love to, but yeah, but we'll see, I guess. I hope you get to work on the game. Devolver. Oh my God. Yes, please. <laughs> what would you Publish do? Publish or anything. I, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you coffee. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know a lot of... German fans have made unofficial sequels to Zach McCracken. I want to say there's oh, like yeah, there's so many. Yeah, there's I like was, fan I films. recently found out that there's like five or six. I've never played any of them. Actually, I had no idea. Yeah, uh, German. But there's so many, and they're they look really good too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really they do fantastic. look fantastic. So we know the fan base is there. There weren't that many fan games of monkey island as far as i could tell there's something about zach mccracken that just connects with people who feel a little bit off in this world and it almost has a seinfeldian feel to it <laughs> i to me where it's like quirky yes. but also like the a humor. yeah the humor a little bit of darkness but absurdity and people who fit in but don't fit in at the same time. You I'm still just... have to explain to me the whole horror angle you were talking about earlier. Because I well, so if you say to it. people, aliens have, and I hear you 100%, when you play it, it's uh, light and breezy. But the idea that aliens are among us, they are uh, disguising themselves as humans and everyone's fooled. A lot of people think it's pretty horrific. How less smart people seem to be now. I talked to David Fox about it a little while ago. Things have gotten in some ways worse since then. And he's like, yeah, I felt like I kind of did predict some of this stuff, I didn't did I? predict some of it, honestly. Yeah, he did. So it's to me, it's got an undercurrent, I should have said, of darkness. If you just read about it, it could be a horror movie. Aliens have taken over the earth disguised as That's people. That's an interesting angle, yeah. Destroying us. But when you play it, you get to subvert the stupidity pretty regularly with your own cleverness. So I like the idea that stupidity is the real villain and you get to yeah. subvert it with your own ability to think outside the box and solve these really sometimes funny puzzles and then end up on Mars, like you said, and get psychic powers with crystals and your talk with brooms. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> get that to inhabit the of body course. of a dolphin. I love the dolphin part, going to Atlantis. My it was favorite like... part with the crystal was with the jack. Like when you are, I think it's Kathmandu. Kathmandu, yeah. that you're in Kathmandu, that you finally learn how to use the, the, the blue crystal or something. Yeah. And you get to possess or control the jack. And you can do chew. But if you do chew five times in a row, then you can poop. That's fantastic. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I was like, 
Yeah, this is the best. <laughs> so you believe a Zach McCracken game could do well. Do you think a new one, I mean, do you think it should take on how the world is now? Or would it, I almost worry that it would be too on the nose. Like if you did. It depends because in terms of the mechanic of a mm -hmm. point and click like that, I don't know if it will have you know it will resonate oh, sure. with people nowadays because we're in an era of like too long didn't read don't mm. care and kind mm. of stuff so all that clicking and stuff i don't think people will be very fond of like the mechanic has progressed a lot since the late 80s mm. when it comes to point and click nowadays and now you will have like nine births and stuff like that so there's a lot that has changed since then sure. in terms of the design i'm not sure if mm. people would like it because every single friend of mine that i've forced basically forced to get to play Zach McCracken they all kind of hate me a little bit <laughs> they're like so frustrated because one of the things that they hate the most is like you know when you used to go into a room and you you mouse over but nothing comes up you actually have to use what is oh that's what, right I forgot you have to that. use what is on the room so you get to know every where everything is remember what it is because it's not going to show later like once the, the thing is over like you actually have to remember where it was and then try to you know push pull yeah 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 but you have to test yeah, which one works with the thing however mm -hmm. you can actually get to uh interact with it people don't like that <laughs> <laughs> well return to monkey island streamlined some of that I think Ooh, that it's so work. good. Yeah. The mechanics it, and Return to Monkey Island is like one click, everything. It's perfect. And I think I David Fox worked on Return of Monkey Island a little he bit. He did, of course. Yeah. yeah. He worked on Thimbleweed Park, which I, my understanding, it did pretty well. Uh, so I think that there is a potential audience, or they could go. Snuggle did not do so well when it first launched. I know. Actually. I know. I don't, I don't think I, I remember reading an interview with David way back then when he said something like maybe people were just not ready for this kind of humor. Mm. And it kind of made me sad because all things considered, I think it's one of the, the, the lesser known ones. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I was not trying many to sell... people played it and not many people uh, seem to have even know of it. Mm -hmm. So it's true. I saw Nigel, one of the co-founders of Devolver after Return to Monkey Island was announced. And I said, can you make Zach McCracken next? Do you know Disney? And he said, I've never played it. I was like, oh, <laughs> I'll send it to you. He's like, oh, is it like Fate of Atlantis? I like that one. I'm like, oh, no. if you can make a new Fate of Atlantis, <laughs> that's great too. But that's a tougher IP to get, I think, than, than Zach McCracken, which never... Steve Purcell, who did the designs on it, went on to do Sam and Max. Like the the creative team from that game all went off to do their own stuff. So it didn't like oh. tank their careers. But Zach McCracken is sort of stuck in a stuck in a time capsule. It's one of the rare ones, I think. Yeah. LucasArts. Like very few people have actually played it like this. I think they I think they would love it. We gotta make it happen. I do. I believe would, that too. I, do it's you, a great game. Do you have any dream scenarios for what a sequel would be? I would it's... love if David actually got were able to, you know, go back into working with that himself. Because I think, I don't know if you've noticed, I mean, I've played Curse of Monkey Island, Scape, I play all of them, and they're fantastic on their own right. However, Return to Monkey Island is freaking magical. It's yeah. so, so good. Because I'm I mean, when the original creator gets a hold of the IP and it's able to just continue on their vision, I think that there's something unique in that regard. So I would love if David were able to do something like that. But yeah, that is true. the only thing that I will say. Like, I would love to see more Sack McCracken, but only if, you know, 
Only if they the original crew or part of the original crew is actually involved, so they can actually continue on the essence of what that humor is about. Because I love that humor. That humor was great. Actually. Yeah, I agree. Couldn't agree more. No. Well, thanks so much for talking to me about the Zach McCracken and all the things. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we sign off? I'm not sure. What else can we talk about? Lucas Hard Rocks. We are <laughs> celebrating. Oh, <laughs> Lucas Hard Fun Girl. We are celebrating this month, uh, Lucas Hard Month. We in the fun group. Uh, on Facebook, the Lucas yeah. Fun Group, we basically, you know, one day decided to like, hey, let's do this. And we've been actually trying to reminisce and talk and have the conversation going about all things Lucas Art this month in May. And we're going to hopefully we can actually do it every year. So May is Lucas Art's month, and it will be cool if people will just join the conversation. Hashtag Lucas Art Month. I'm going to find that and I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> You're probably going to be like with the old 90 tweets that are made for you. <laughs> <laughs> you can say hi too. You can say hello to me too. Yeah, I'd love to say hi to you. <laughs> I feel like if there's listeners who are fans of like Earthbound and Ooh, Undertale, there's a lot of crossover in the appeal, I feel like. But this is like before those games, before Earthbound. And Zach McCracken, I think, was actually pretty popular in Japan. It'll, it'll be fun to find out if it ever... It had a unique cover. I found out about this like five years ago. I was actually very surprised. Like They had a specific artist design a completely different cover and everything. It looks so weird. Yeah, it does. It does. But it's got... <laughs> it's almost like the Spider-Verse for the Zach McCracken, like the McCracken-Verse, to yeah. picture this alternate version of him that's... Him, so but true. not him. Yeah, the FM Towns, it's I so think weird. is the name. It's super weird. It's super weird. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, well, something to talk about in, in the hashtag. Um, there you go. But already, yeah, <laughs> I, maybe, maybe I can bring that news to it. So, yes, we'll get your Twitter handle in here, too. People can follow you because you do LucasArts-related doodles pretty regularly. Is it doodle a, doodle a day? Doodle, doodle clock. clock. Yeah, that's a personal thing of mine. I just, um, I actually live with chronic pain. And one of the things that I try, I consciously try to do is, you know, not let pain take over every mm. aspect of my life. So digital clock, it's kind of like trying to exercise a little bit more of discipline over motivation and trying to take back a little bit of that time for myself. So I mm. doodle things I love like that. Look us art, old TV shows, old cartoons and stuff. I love all that. Well, I love that you do it. I love to see what you do. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm so grateful you came on the show. Thanks so much thank for being you. on. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. Simon Stosh, why do you look like a winner? Because you are. Bada, 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 boom, boom. So if it were up to me, I would get that Simon Stosh and that David Fox who in my mind is actually related to Megan Fox, the actress, and Megan Fox, the game developer who made Skatebird. Mm -hmm. David Fox was the chief writer of Zack McCracken, a game that, since Cy and I were so excited about it, I'm not sure if it was totally clear because we were just gushing with excitement about this game, but it was foretelling of the current battle between fake news, bad information, bad thinking that's going on in the world. When I say fake news, I don't mean, you know, that climate change is real. Right. I mean the actual fake news. Right. The fake things that are not proven. Right. Uh, Zach McCracken foretold all of that. 
So I'm desperate for that to come back. And one place I think a game like a new Zach McCracken could end up making headlines, making big money, is on the Playdate console mm-hmm. from Panic. The Playdate console is, abstracts all of the, and I forgot to say that Zach McCracken, very abstract take on real life problems. And part of the theme of the episode this time around. The Playdate also takes all these very real situations at times, like, like surfing, bird washing, stealing from the rich. Yep. And abstracts it using a crank controller. Tanya, I want to know what you think of this crank controller. We're going to cue it over to the product review theme song right now. Yes! Do you want to do a product review? I do, I do, I want to do a product review. I do, 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 I do. So, Tanya, what do you think of this Playdate? It's a yellow console with a crank. Okay, I'm going to break it down for you. Please. Intriguing. You're intrigued. Handheld. Mm. Small fits in the palm of your hand. Fits in the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. It's pocket sized. Creative. Mmm. Not unlike other things that are creative. (laughs) (laughs) It's doing things you've never done before. Yeah, a little a little scary. Mmm. What's the what's the fear? Fear that I was going to break the crank. I thought you were gonna say that. It does feel both high quality and like so delicate. I'm like, oh my god, if I crank this too hard, I'm just cranking it. And you're you're constantly there's a game called Kranken's Time Travel Adventure, co-created by the creator of the Katamari Damashi series, and all you do is crank. There's no buttons pressing. There's no D-pad, though the controller, I should say, the console has those controls on it, a D-pad and an A and B button. Yep. But this one is controlled. Just by the crank. Just by cranking. You crank forward to go forward in time. You crank backwards, backwards. to rewind backwards in time. And there's set animations that the character is going to do as they move forward in time. You want them to do that animation. While the... time travels around you, while time elapses. Yeah, you only control moving forward and backward in time for, for this you. character. Yeah. Everything else around him, like the birds and the pigs and the walking poop. The, the shit. That makes sounds. <laughs> yeah. Like they farts. all, you can't control the time on that. He's trying to get to his date on time. You can never get to the date on time. But if you get hit by an obstacle on your way to the date. You just don't get there at all. Yeah. Then you have to. And she like a bubble pops up of her and she's like, huh. Yeah. It's a lot of. Like, you suck, man. Yeah. There's something about Kieta Takahashi's games. He makes a lot of games where. A woman is in some way dissatisfied. I know. He thinks it's really funny. Maybe it is it's, funny. It is funny, too, because the guy, you're rooting for him because he's you. Mm. But he's fucking up from the get-go. He's just sleeping <laughs> on the couch when he should be with his lady. Going to the date, yeah. Going to the date. And his body can split up in segments. They just, this stuff just happens. Yeah. You know, so in terms of the play date, we're talking about this one particular game. There are other games. Another oh, game sure. we played was the surfing game. Yeah, whiteout, whitewater washout or something. I can't yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. And I think actually it was entertaining for more than just a little bit. Mm. Like you could actually sit and play it and be sort of sucked in for quite a while. The one thing that was hard for me was that because the screen is... It's it not, reminds me of like a Kindle. I don't think it's backlit. It's not backlit. It doesn't right. seem it's like it's like if one you of the old a light Kindle. On it, it, it really helps. Yeah, you have to be in a brightly lit area. So if you want to be in a bus mm. in the middle of the night because you're traveling to Ottawa, 
<laughs> Again? And it, yeah, you've got a backpack. This is the and fourth time you've gone there this week. I know, I know. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you just got to go to Ottawa mm. and start a new life. Again. Yeah, this week. you're just going to get a job and you're going to do it. What are and, you going to do on the bus when yeah, it's dark? That's true. You're going to take out your cell phone and use a flashlight to play your Playdate? No, mm. you're going to play something on your cell phone. So that's my only critique. I think probably in the next iterations there will be backlit. Mm. I think that it would be enough of a critique that they might want to rethink that one component. But my understanding is from what you said, it has excellent battery life because of that, right? Yeah, you. I charge it fully and then in a week and a half, even if I play it a good amount, I gotta charge it again. That's not bad. Yeah, I'm guessing it's 30 hours of battery life or something. Well, what do you think about it, Jonathan? I think that it is sad and sweet. It is a success and doomed to fail at the same time. Mm. It is something that some people compared to the Ouya, which you don't know about. Mm. The Ouya was a console for TVs that was supposed to be like the indie alternative to the mainstream console publishers like Nintendo and Sony and Microsoft. And it just died. I have one. It's in a box still. I don't think I ever took it out. It's much better than the Ouya in that you don't have to worry about the materials falling apart. We've cranked that thing hard, and it is not broken. In fact, I think the crank is working better than ever. Use now that it. you've used it yeah. so hard. Once you've... I had that initial fear, but then we realized it wasn't going to... No, that crank is holding up. Yeah. Uh, and the games are unique and quirky. There's nothing else like them on the market for certain. But I don't know how far it's going to go. I, I don't know if this console will get outside of its little bubble. That said, if it does, and I actually brought the Playdate to a place where I was around strangers today and I had the two or three of them try it out, they all want to buy one now. These are people who are not huge into video games, but if they do play them, it's got to be like God of War and just whatever AAA du jour is out there today. They all want playdates now because they were totally immersed within seconds because the controls are so simple. Right, it's intuitive. You don't need a lot of instructions to figure out the gameplay. That's right. And I was going to say before, we talked about if Katamari was realistic, if Kranken's time travel adventure was realistic, it would be much less compelling, I think. Mm, it might be kind of scary. Yeah, because his body breaks apart and, and birds fly through his ribcage and his abdomen. At one point. <laughs> That's well, true. Yeah, and the poop is coming. Yep. Yeah, that poop's And that there. pig is going to maul you. Oh, that pig is such a son it's of a gonna bitch. It's going to maul you. It's like that scene in that cannibal oh, yeah. movie. The uh, not Hannibal Rising and not Silence of the Lambs, the one in between. Yeah. And not Red Dragon. I think it's just straight yeah, up Hannibal. Hannibal. Yeah, just straight up Hannibal where uh, the Gary old man is like, oh, what's you doing on how? And then he gets his he gets eaten and then isn't he He gets eaten. He eats Ray Liotta's brain. Yeah. And then he gets eaten by pigs. And this how, is how this Okay, the how pigs. How is this a movie? What's where's the Is this a good movie? Is this what do you want to watch? Didn't he survive and become deformed and then later be killed? I think he's definitely taken a beating. He's he's gotten some chew marks on him. Oh. I think that was the whole thing was it was like he likes to be eaten, so he's like Hannibal's perfect mate because Hannibal likes to eat people. So so gross. Yeah, just but, a yucky, yucky movie. Yeah, just feeling bad. So back to the play date. Yeah, yeah. Does not have a Hannibal game on it yet. yet. But I can imagine the crank being used for all sorts of yucky 
Ooh. Hannibal Adventures. Like twist the person in the torture thing. Yeah. Why, yeah, is, yeah. why are we doing Or just turn the key and open the door. Okay, and, that's oh, a better way to go. There's Hannibal in there. No. Hi, Hannibal. Hello, Clarice. That was my yeah. first Hannibal impersonation ever. Oh. Probably my last. <laughs> Playdate, what number do you give it on a score ranking? Ooh. Ooh. I do have a little background knowledge on some challenges with the fact that the playdate didn't quite work for you at first. That's true, but I don't know if we want to factor that in there because they delivered on a brand new playdate with no additional cost. But folks so, should know, it did brick on me initially. And like the I, second it came out of the box. We were setting it up and it yeah. didn't set up, it just died instead. They still don't know why. They're like, oh, weird. Send it back and we'll send you a new one. So they were great. Yep. So I, even still, I think for me, oh. oh, this is so scary. What if you give it the wrong score, Tanya? I know, I know. <laughs> I want to be fair and realistic, and but true and authentic. It's and okay. It doesn't matter. It's about a six and a half or a seven, only because I think the backlit screen is that much of a deterrent because... But how about Kranken's time travel adventure as a game? Well, the game, that's, that's not the console. That's different. I'm segueing to a new review. They're reviewing a video game, telling us what they think. What is your review of Kranken's time travel adventure as a I game? I give it an eight. I like eight or a nine, eight and a half. I, I like its simplicity. I yeah. like that it's fun. I like that it's not too many levels. The only thing I don't like about it is I think we're almost done. We're on like date 15 or something. I don't yeah, I think if you're going to do a game that has one function and it's a crank, like this was perfect. It tells a story somehow yeah. with yeah. only one possible function. It's... Mm. I think it's, you're leaning towards 8.8, .8, even a 9. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Crankin' Time Travel Adventure. Oh, yeah, they told you what they thought. They liked that game a lot, or they didn't. Console, good enough to buy to play the good games on it. That's my vote. That was a product review of a product. And now we're moving on. Thanks for listening, Give everybody. Give it a number, you... <laughs> gotcha, I got out of there. Just oh, you slipped right through. Swoops. 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 That's my new nickname. Swoops. For now on, people... For, for me, it's poops. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, could I convince everyone to just call me swoops? Mm -hmm. You have to do the high-pitched voice, too. No, you cannot, Yay, what's up, swoops? No, that's not happening. <laughs> You never know. Jonathan is um, in rare form tonight. I suppose so. One of the ants in my pants. Something silly going on in my brain. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the show, everyone. We had such a fun time it doing it. It was a fun it. time. It was a fun time, and I hope you had a fun time listening. Definitely check out the show notes so you can find our amazing guests. They're so fun and so worthwhile to get to know. The quality of the content that they give out, I think, is better then even this show, that's right, self-depreciating time. Oh yeah. Sammy Stage's doodle o'clock tweets and her love of LucasArts. It's LucasArts Month, she decided, in May. So you can just hashtag LucasArts Month and enjoy all the content that she's coming there. Blair Bears, their streams, fantastic. They are weekly and they are raising money each and every week. And supporting her is something I'm going to continue to do. You can continue to support me too if you want. The show's on Patreon. We appreciate any dollars and cents that you can Give hand over to us. Give the money to Daniel. Yeah, it's Daniel, the editor. 
gets all of the proceeds, but trust us, he's putting the work in. So thank you so much, Daniel. Jonathan works him so hard. <laughs> I do just nonchalantly send him 20 to 30 minute long videos sometimes and be like, here you go. I don't even say edit this. I'm just like, something happened. Daniel. Yeah, and he's like, when am I supposed to play Zelda? I'm like, oh, take your time. I don't uh, push him to get anything he done he doesn't want to do, but I right. do give him plenty of stuff to work on if he wants to. And I'm working on Nintendo Force issue 60. Oof, are we up to 66 already? Oh, I've got so much stuff to do. I've got to review Osman. I've got to review Murtop. I've got to review We Heart Katamari Reroll Plus. Don't overstress yourself tonight, Jonathan. We made it through the podcast. <laughs> it's an accomplishment. That's right. That's right. I should feel proud of this podcast. I'm also working on two issues of Lock On at once. I'm working on something. I can't even believe I'm working on it. I'm working on it like every day, hours a day, communicating with a legendary video game artist who's creating art based on my sketch. And I'm just shocked that he's willing to do it. He's getting paid a fair amount of money to do it. So it's probably part of the motivation. But he's like telling me, you're a wonderful person. I'm really enjoying this process. I look forward to talking to you again tomorrow. I'm like, what? You made the stuff that I grew up on. He's, wow, a, he's, a, he's a legend. that's so fun. Yeah, it's really that's surprising. Great. So I'm going to keep a, that under wraps a little bit, but hopefully I built some fun suspense for you in your mind. Lock on book slash magazine series. Winning awards. They just won an award tonight. I'm very proud of them. And uh, we're working on a lot of stuff for later this year. Anything you want to shout out, Tanya, before, before we go? Any Robert Smith updates? Oh, our international hero. They had their first concert in NOLA yesterday. Oh. And I meant to click on the guest list, but then my browser timed out. So I, not the guest list, the song list. Oh, the song list. Yeah. So I, I'm still trying to, I need to do that. Probably the second we sign off, find wow. out what songs they played. So hopefully it's the best songs ever. And hopefully you oh have the best God. time ever listening to this show. And thank you so much. Hope you have a, a great rest of your weeks, everybody. We'll be back in two weeks. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, Tanya. Talking to Women About Video Games is hosted by Jonathan and Tanya, with editing and production by Daniel. Music by Jonathan and Daniel. You can support the show and get exclusive bonuses on Patreon at patreon.com slash TTWAV. Thanks for listening. I'm just cranking it. I'm just cranking it. I wanna wind up the crank. I wanna wind up the crank. I wanna wind up the crank. I wanna charge him up like an Energizer Bonnie. All you do is crank. All you do is crank. You crank forward, you crank backwards. You crank forward, that crank is holding up. You crank forward, you crank backwards. In fact, I think the crank is working better than ever. We've cranked that thing hard. We've cranked that thing hard. We've cranked that thing hard. You're just gushing, 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 gushing. I'm just cranking it. I'm just cranking it. All you do is crank. All you do is crank. That crank is holding up. That crank is holding up. Charge him up like an Energizer Bonnie. I mentioned the crank being used for all sorts of yucky, all sorts of yucky, all sorts of yucky, all sorts of yucky. I want to charge him up like an Energizer Bonnie. Crank forward, you crank backwards. You crank forward. All you do is crank. You crank forward, you crank backwards. In fact, I think the crank is working better than ever. I'm just cranking it. I'm just cranking it.